If you've got your Bibles this morning, open them up to the book of 1 John. 1 John, always the back of the Bible right there before you get to the book of Revelation. Been a wonderful, wonderful time of worship today. God has certainly blessed us, and we've sensed His presence, and we thank Him for it. Recently, I had the privilege of having a breakfast with Jerry Carl and Ben Brooks. And Ben is a senator from one of our districts in Mobile and running for a circuit court judge. And I found this hymn to be a genuine man of God and uh, to know that he loved the Lord and followed the Lord. And, and it was just a joy to be with him. And I believe he and his wife are here this morning. Ben, where are you and Kathy sitting? I'd like to, would y'all stand up a minute? Let's welcome them. They, that We want people who are Christians in office and... And uh, this man, and, I, and I, he said, just, Brother Fred, just all I want him to know that is I am a Christian, and I want to follow Jesus, and I thank God. And we need to pray that God would raise up, raise up righteous people who will lead us in a direction that glorifies the Lord. Now, 1 John is the greatest book in the Bible to keep us from deception. None of us want to be deceived. And I'm telling you, this book, 1 John, is the key to not being deceived in any area of your life. Now, the Word of God warns us that in the day in which we are now living is a day of great deception. The Bible says in the latter days there would be great deception on the earth. Last week, I preached my first message on freedom from deception, the truth about Jesus. Today, I'm going to preach on freedom from deception, the truth about salvation. But just listen to how the Bible warns us about not being deceived. 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, you don't need to turn to any of these, but I just want you to know that there's a warning throughout the Word of God. 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2 says, The Spirit speaks expressly, saying that in the latter times, that's now, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Over in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 13, listen to the warning about deception. It says in 2 Timothy 3, 13, for evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse. Get this. Deceiving and being deceived. He said it's going to grow worse and worse. People deceiving and being deceived. In the fourth chapter of Second Timothy, listen again at the warning. For the time will come, and it's now, when they will not endure sound doctrine. But because of their own desires, they will have itching ears and will heap up to themselves teachers. They will turn away their ears from the truth and be turned aside to fables. So the Word of God is clear about this matter of being deceived. In 1 John, there's more about warning us about being deceived about salvation than any other thing. It does give us the truth about Jesus, about how we can know we love God and love people and other things. But the heart of this book is, he says, now, I don't want you to be deceived about salvation. Don't want you to be. I want you to know you're saved. 
and have that assurance that nothing can shake. You know, in Matthew chapter 7, there's a tremendous warning about not being deceived about our salvation. Listen to what Jesus said. Now hear me. He says, enter in the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. So Jesus said, now listen, don't be deceived. The gate is narrow, but broad is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And get this, and many go in therein. Narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. Jesus said, be sure you're in the narrow way. But then, perhaps one of the most troubling passages, warning us about not being deceived about our salvation, is in the, thir- is, is in the 22nd and 23rd verse of Matthew 7. Again, the words of Jesus. Now listen carefully. Many will say to me in that day, by the words, it says many. Man, many. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name. Done many wonders in your name. And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Now the key to that whole deal was, why was it that he had never knew them? Why was it that he told them to depart? Because they never ceased to work iniquity. They never ceased to practice sin. It was their lifestyle. And that's why he said, it doesn't matter how religious you were or what you did. You never ceased to practice iniquity and you never ceased to practice sin. So today we're going to look at the truth about salvation. Did you know that the words know, we know is used 27 times in the book of 1 John? Now think about that. He says, now this is what we know. And this is why we know it. Now, if we know it, then we're not deceived. And so he just goes over and over again saying, this is what we know, and this is why we're not going to be living in deception. You remember last week we talked about the truth about Jesus. He said, we know that in the last day Antichrist will come who deny that he is God manifest in the flesh. He said, just understand that there's going to be the denial of the deity of Christ in the last days. And deception will be abroad, and it is. But now today he says, listen, I just want to warn you about not being deceived about your salvation. He said, I want you to know that you're saved. I want you to have the assurance in your heart that you're a child of God. Now, in fact, look at chapter 5, verses 11 through 13. He basically says that the whole book of 1 John was written so we could know we were saved. And, and, and it's, going to be, uh, it's going to be so clear. There's no one can say, well, I didn't understand what it, what it meant to be saved and, and what, what the, uh, how I knew that and all that. There's no way after you read this book. And so he says in 1 John 5, 11 through 13, notice what he says. All right? And this is the record. The word there is testimony. It's like a birth certificate. It's like a marriage license. And this is the record. What is it? That God has given to us eternal life. Wonderful. And this life 
is in His Son. So clear. The record is God's given us eternal life. It is in His Son. It's not in the church. It's not in baptism. It's not in good works. It's not in the ordinances, as important as they are. He said, no. The record is God has given us eternal life, and it is in His Son. Then He makes it absolutely clear. Look at the next verse. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. That's as clear as it can be. You say, well, how in the world am I going to know if I have the Son? That's what this book's written to show you, and you'll see it in a moment. Well, how am I going to know I have the Son? Because if I have the Son, I have life. But if I don't have the Son, Jesus, I don't have life. Then look at verse 13. I've written these things to you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know. K-N-O-W. There's that word. I've written these things so that you can know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe. Continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now, there are three or four things that First John make absolutely clear as to whether or not you can know you're saved. Now, there is a verse that I want you to be willing to do this morning. I, want you to, uh, I, I just want you to be willing uh, to do this in your life. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, verse 5. Now, I'm going to ask you to be willing to do this. As I show you from 1 John how you can know you're saved, are you willing to do this? You say, well, I know I'm saved. Good, but, but are you willing to do this? Listen, this is the verse. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves as to whether you're in the faith. Okay, he said, now, you examine yourself to know whether or not you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Be willing to test yourself. And that's what we're going to do with First John. Test yourself. Do you not know yourselves? Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. So now all we're going to do And I pray to God that everybody listening to my voice is saved and not deceived. But on the other hand, the problem about being deceived is when you're deceived, you don't know it. But this book and the Word of God will help clear the deception and let truth prevail. Now, here's the first thing. All right, Brother Fred, how do I know that I'm in the Son? How do I know that I'm truly saved? Here's the first point, and I'm going to show you from the Scripture. We know we're saved by our daily lifestyle, what we practice. Now, now just let that get in your spirit now. We know we are saved by our daily lifestyle, by what we practice. All right, chapter 2, verse 3. Man, it is so clear. I'm so glad that God didn't leave leave us in the dark to wonder. He says, now, I want to talk to you about your lifestyle. I want to talk to you about the, what you practice. This is the way you can know that you're saved. All right, look at verse 3 of chapter 2. Are you going to love this. The word know is all over this. He says, by this, now by this, we know we know him. Well, I guarantee you, I understand what he said. He says, Fred, by this, you can know 
that you know him. Well, I want to know that, Lord. I don't want to be deceived. By this you can know that you know him if you keep his commandments. If you obey God's word, that is evidence that you are saved. Now, you're saying, well, are you telling me that I am perfect? That I'm 100% obedient all the time? I am not saying this. But listen, I'm talking about, here's the word, I'm talking about lifestyle. I'm talking about practice. Now, by this we know that we know him if our lifestyle is one of obedience. If we practice obedience, that is our lifestyle. That's the opposite of practicing unrighteousness or practicing sin. By this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Now listen at verse 4. He said, now don't be deceived. He says, he who says, I know him. Well, I know him. I got baptized when I was nine. I joined the church. I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a bad person. Hey, but listen to what he says. He who says that I know him, but does not keep his commandments, who does not practice obedience, whose lifestyle is not obedience. He who says that I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar. I mean, that's the word of God. He said, you say you know him? But your lifestyle is disobedience and unrighteousness? He said, you're a liar. And he said, the truth is not in you. But look at verse 5. But if you keep his word, it's called about a lifestyle of obedience. It's called about practicing obedience. He says, but whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God is perfected. If you have a lifestyle of obedience and righteousness, it's obvious that you love God. Whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this, we know that we know him. Because we're practicing a lifestyle that shows that, of obedience that shows that we love him. Look at verse 6. This is so clear. He who says he abides in him ought to walk. You ought to live just like he walked. Now, folks, listen. Please listen to me. I've seen this so many times. A person will be living, will be practicing unrighteousness. They'll be practicing sin. They'll be practicing disobedience. That's their lifestyle. Day in, day out. Week in, week out. You say, well, now, do you know Jesus? Oh, I, I know Jesus. Oh, I know Jesus. I'm saved. I'm saved. Well, tell me about it. Well, I, I mean, when I was nine years old or ten years old or fifty, I, I joined the church and was baptized. I, I'm okay. Now, now, wait a minute. I said, no, no. You've you got to understand now. Your lifestyle, your practice denies the fact that you've ever been changed by the power of God. It denies it. But immediately, they want to get on the defensive and say, you're judging me. No, I am not judging you. I am telling you the Word of God says, if a person says, I know him and does not keep his commandments, he's a liar. We've got multitudes of people who are quote-unquote religious. I've often said everybody below Richmond's saved. You understand that, don't you? I mean, in the Bible Belt. But I want to tell you right now, the assurance that you're saved is that you have a lifestyle of obedience, and you have a lifestyle where you practice uh, righteousness. I didn't say perfect, but it's your lifestyle and your practice. 
And he goes on. See, he goes on and says, now you've got to understand, you want to know if you're truly saved, it's your lifestyle. It is your lifestyle. It is what you practice. Look at chapter 3, verses 4 through 10. See, all I'm doing is reading the Word of God. And so we're going to take the test. Here's the question I ask myself. Do I practice obedience? I'm not perfect. Do I practice obedience? Second thing, do, do I practice righteousness? All right, so I need that my lifestyle. Well, I, I've got to answer that question. All right, now we come to chapter uh, 3. And again, he goes through the same thing. He says the way you can know you're saved is your lifestyle. It's what you practice. All right, verse 4. Don't, don't miss it. Whoever commits sin, that's breaking God's law. You lie, that's, that's a sin. You steal, that's a sin. You're bitter, that's a sin. You're unforgiven, that's a sin. Ten Commandments, whatever. It's not that we don't know what sin is. A lot of people have believed a lie and say, well, you know. But I'm just, we know. He says, whoever commits sin commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. It's just lawlessness. It's a rebellion against the Word of God and the ways of God and the truth of God. And you know, in verse 5 of 1 John 3, he was manifested to take away our sins. Praise God. We know what sin is. It's lawlessness. That's what it is. And when you sin, you're lawless. But he was manifested to take away our sins. Thank God. And in him is no sin. Are you ready? Look at verse uh, 6. Don't miss this. Whoever abides in him, Jesus lives in you. And you're abiding in him. Whoever abides in him does not practice sin. Now, you're telling me, Jesus, that if I abide in you, sin will not be my lifestyle. That's right. Are you telling me that if I abide in you, I will not practice sin? That's exactly right. I'm not saying that I won't sin. But I guarantee you, it's not what I practice or you practice. It's not our lifestyle. He makes it so clear, y'all. Whoever abides in him does not practice sin. Whoever practices sin has never seen him or known him. Man, why can't people understand that? Well, I'm okay. I'm okay. But they're, but they're living an ungodly life or an unrighteous life. They're not practicing obedience. They're not practicing righteousness. They're living in this world and of this world. And everything about their lifestyle says that they do not know God. But I'm okay. I'm, I'm, no, you're not okay. You're not okay. You're deceived. Listen to me, please. It says, Whoever abides in him does not practice sin. Whoever sins, whoever practices sin has never seen him or known him. Little children. Now, now listen to what verse 7 says. Please get this. Little children, let no one deceive you. Right there in the middle, he says, don't let anybody deceive you. You're okay. You're okay. It doesn't matter if you sin. Listen, the Bible is cultural. What used to be sin is not sin any longer. Things that were evil are not evil anymore. You don't understand. Culture has changed. And the Bible's not reliable. You can't trust it. That's a lie. That's a lie. Let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. He said, don't be deceived. If you practice righteousness, you're righteous just as he is righteous. He who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And he goes on down in verse 9. Now get this. 
Whoever has been born of God, you're saved, does not practice sin. His seed, the Holy Spirit, the very person of Christ, his seed remains in him. And he cannot practice sin because he's born of God. He can't. He's changed. He's changed. Jesus lives in him. He's a partaker of the divine nature. He cannot practice sin because he is born of God. In this, the children of God are manifested and the children of the devil. Time out. I want to know how that. How can you know if you're a child of God or how can you know if you're a child of the devil? All I'm doing is reading the Bible. That upsets me. Well, you need to be upset. Because I don't want you to be deceived. I don't want you to be one of the people but stand before Jesus and say, uh, Lord, Lord, and, and say, well, listen, I went to Luke 4.18 church, and Lord, Lord, I heard Brother Fred preach, and I read the Bible, and, I, and he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. You work. I don't want that to be true. That's why I'm telling you, I'm warning you, please, don't be deceived. Listen to what it says in, in verse 10. In this the children of God are manifested, and the children of the devil are manifested. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. And he who does not love his brother. How in the world is there so much deception and confusion about salvation when the Bible is so absolutely clear? It's not like God stuttered when he spoke. (laughs) But I am telling you, we've got a generation out there that live in the world, live like the world, practice all that the world practices, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But I long to so-and-so church, and I do this, and I do that, and everything's fine with me. And one day they're going to stand before a holy God, and he's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Please, please, hear what God says, not what man says. Don't let the hedonism and the philosophies of this world color believe what God says y'all I'm telling you this book has stood the test of time and let God be true but every man a liar do not believe anything that contracts contradicts the word of God all right one other one chapter 5 verse 18 you see the way you can know you're saved is your lifestyle It's your daily lifestyle. It's your practice. That'll tell you whether or not you're saved. All right, look uh, in verse 18 of 1 John 5. We know that whoever is born of God, boy, he keeps saying this. We know. Well, what I know, I want to know. We know that whoever is born of God does not practice sin. His seed, it says, but whoever is born of God does not practice sin. But he who has been born of God guards himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. All right, so, Brother Fred, how can I know if I'm truly saved? It's your lifestyle. Do you practice righteousness? Do you practice obedience? Is your lifestyle one of seeking to please God? Or do you practice unrighteousness or sin or disobedience? What's your lifestyle? What's your practice? Not not from 1030 to 1130. Now, we never get out at 1130. Not from 1030 to 12. On Sunday morning. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you go home and close the door and pull the blinds down. I want to ask you about your lifestyle. When you're at work and when you're with your friends and you're out in the world, I'm just asking you, what's your lifestyle? What do you practice? 
Well, why are you asking me that? Because I love you and I don't want you to be deceived. All right, here's the second way you can know you're truly saved. Not only by our lifestyle and by our practice, we can know that we're truly saved by our love for people. Now, you know, there's a verse here that absolutely will It'll just say, well, whoo. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 15. See, we can know we're truly saved by our love for people. Would you look at the 14th verse of 1 John 3? You say, well, I just don't love people. I don't like black people. I don't like white people. I don't like short people. I don't like tall people. I don't like fat people. I don't like skinny people. I just don't like people. Well, you're in trouble. Because God told you to love them. You say, but Brother Fred, they're not lovely. By the way, without Jesus, you weren't lovely. We were all sinners. But I want you to listen to this. We know, there's that word again, that we have passed from death to life because we love the brothers. You mean I can tell I'm saved because I love people? Boy, there's some people, Brother Fred, easy to love. But boy, what about those that aren't hard to love? He says, we just know we pass from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Pretty clear. It's the love of God. You know what that kind of love, you know the love he's talking about? We hate sin. We hate sin. But, but we love sinners. We hate homosexuality. But we love the homosexual. We hate fornication and adultery. But we love the fornicator and the adulterer. We hate the liar and the thief. We hate the sin of lying and stealing. But we love the liar. And we love the thief. Hey, you say, that, that, that's pretty uh, demanding. I mean, that's, no, no. But God showed his love for us while we were still sinners. What did Jesus do? He died for us. God didn't see you at your best. And Jesus didn't see you at your best and go to the cross and die for you. Jesus saw you at your worst and still went to the cross and died in your place. You hate sin, but you better love the sinner. But I don't like their lifestyle, brother. You don't have to, but you've got to love them because you'll never win people by despising them and hating them. You'll only ever reach them by loving them and telling them that God loves them and that Jesus died for them and he doesn't want one of them ever to go to hell. You say, well, some people's lifestyle deserve to go to hell. Let me tell you one thing. If you don't think you deserve to go to hell, you missed it. There's not one of us here that's righteous enough to ever go to heaven apart from the blood of Jesus Christ. I wouldn't trust the best five minutes of my life to get me into the presence of God. He said, the way you can tell you're saved is you love people. You love them. Hey, you know why the Pharisees hated Jesus? You know why they crucified him? Because he loved publicans and sinners. He even hung out, and I ain't going to go there. Some of you will take it wrong. But he loved publicans and sinners. Some people take it out of context, and I ain't going to give you no excuse. 
You say, what is it? I'm not going to tell you. But see, he loved sinners, and they felt comfortable. Zacchaeus was the biggest crook in his town, and he saw Jesus, and Jesus said to him, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to go to your house today. And he went, and Zacchaeus got saved. He says, you know you're saved because you love people. And by the way, love is not passive, it's active. Look at verse 18 and 19. My little children, don't love in word. Just don't tell people you love them. Or just don't love in tongue, but love by your deeds and by your truth. And in and, and this we know that we know him. Now he says, you know how you can know you're of the truth? Because you love people not with your words, but in your deeds and your actions. By this we can know that we're of the truth and assure our hearts before him. Boy, do you say, Brother Fred, isn't it, don't you have to battle sometime not really loving people? You, we all do that. But let me tell you what lo- God's love is. Are you listening to me? This is the love of God. It's agape. You always want the highest and the best for the person that is loved. You want the highest and the best for the murderer. The highest and the best for the liar. The highest. You, 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 you see, the Bible says... That agape is you desire the highest and the best for the person that you love. Now, you do understand that God balances the books. Judgment belongs to God. But our responsibility, no, the evidence that we're saved is that we love people. And he makes it clear how that you, why this is so important. In John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, now don't miss this. Don't miss this. John 4, 7 and 8. All right, here's what it says. Chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Here it is. Are, are you listening now? You got your eyes on this. I want you to see it. Beloved, let us love one another. Okay, I got that. Let us love one another. Love is of God. Okay. And everyone who loves is born of God. Well, isn't that interesting? Love is of God. And if everybody that loves has been born of God, we are new creation in Christ. We've had the new birth. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. If you love, you're born of God and you know God. Isn't that clear? I mean, that is so clear. He who does not love does not know God. Well, I'd like to discuss that with you, Lord. He said, there's no discussion about it. (laughs) He who does not love does not know God. Man, for God is love. So there's just the test. All right. Okay. How do we know that we're not deceived? By our lifestyle and our practice. Obedience, righteousness, a Christian life. How, how, how do we know that we're truly saved? We love people. Hate sin, but love people. Jesus said, love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Jesus loved Judas, even though he knew he was going to betray him. He washed his feet. All right, here's the third way you know. The third way you know, truly saved, and I got all these just right out of the book of First John. We know we're saved by the witness of God's Spirit. God's Spirit gives us the assurance 
that we're saved. Chapter 3 of 1 John, verse 24. So, Brother Fred, well, if you pass test number one, praise the Lord. You pass test number two, praise the Lord. You practice your lifestyle, not that you never get upset with people, not that you never get disappointed with people, not that prejudice and hatred doesn't try to rise up in your heart sometimes. It will, I'm not, but you deal with it because you, you, you love God and God loves you and you're a child of God and, and, and the fact that you know God means that you love people even though you might not love their lifestyle. So you pass the test of uh, practicing and lifestyle, you pass the test of love, then there's the witness of the Spirit. God's Spirit bears witness that we're a child. Chapter 3 of 1 John, verse 24. Here it is. Now, he who, he who keeps his commandments, that's obedience, abides in him. And he in him. Okay, are you ready? By this we know. There's that word again. By this we know that he abides in us. Okay, by this we know he abides in us. How? By the Spirit He has given us. Capital S. His Spirit bears witness that we're a child of God. I know Him. His Spirit bears witness with us. By this we know that He abides in us by the Spirit He has given us. Look at chapter 4, verse 13. Again, He says there's a witness of the Spirit. Boy, I love this. This word, no. I love this book. I tell you what, I may preach on it for two years. Here it is, number three. All right, verse 13. By this we know he, we abide in him. He just keeps saying, you want to know if you're saved? You want to know if you're abiding in Jesus? You want to know if you're a child of God? He said, by this we know we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit bears witness that we're a child of God. Doesn't bear witness that we're perfect. Doesn't bear witness that we never mess up. But, but our lifestyle is obedience. It's righteousness. It's Christian. And you know, God loves and we love because we've got God's love in us. And His Spirit just bears witness that we are God's child. By this we know we abide in Him and He us because He has given us of His Spirit. So there's the witness of the Holy Spirit. And then, there are just two others. One, look at chapter 5, verse 20. Okay, how do we know we're saved? It is the witness. We know we're saved by our lifestyle, what we, our daily lifestyle and practice. We know we're saved because we love people. We know we're saved because the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And then there's the witness of Jesus. Chapter 5, verse 20. Now look at it. And, and this is kind of the same as the Holy Spirit, but, but still, it's a good witness. It says, verse 20. Boy, this, it's just got word no all over it. We know that the Son of God has come. At Luke 4.18, we're sitting here this morning because we know that Jesus Christ has come. Hallelujah. We know the Son of God has come. He's given us an understanding. That we might know him. He's given us an understanding. That we might know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. There's a witness of Jesus. He's come. He's given us an understanding. And we are in him. 
And we know him that is true. And this is the true God. There's the witness of Jesus. And this eternal life. And then here's the last one. Chapter um, 5, verse 11. It's the witness of the word of God. The witness of a lifestyle of obedience and and the practice of righteousness as compared to to disobedience and unrighteousness. There's the witness for the love of people. God loves us and God's love is in us and we love people and we love them because God's love is in us and we're born of God. And then there's the witness of the Holy Spirit that we're children of God. And then there's the witness of Jesus himself. And the last thing is what I've been talking about all morning and that is verse 11 and following. It's the witness of the word of God. And this is the record. By the way, this is the record right here. This is the record. God has given us eternal life. This life is in his son. Very clear. No, if you're not in this church and if you don't do these ordinances and if you don't do all they say to do, they will take away your salvation. They, they could, no, no, it doesn't say anything about that. Now, you've got to understand. It, it's just absolutely clear. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. This is life is in his son. This is the witness of the word of God. He who has the son has life. Who does not have the son of God does not have life. I've written all this to you, First John, the rest of the Bible, that you may know that you have eternal life. I've written you, I've given you the word of God, the test, so you can know that you have eternal life and that you may believe in the name of the son of God. Now, I want to ask you something. I'm going to pray right now. Examine yourself. Whether or not you're in the faith. Know you not that Jesus Christ is in you. Lest you be disqualified. 